This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Fog Lights. What do they actually do? So, Human Project is having this dinner, and all the wisest men in the world are there. Human and they- Project? What do people believe is crap? You know, even if these people existed with these facilities in secret locations, fuck me, that's strong. Even if they discovered the cure for infertility, it doesn't matter. Too late. World went to shit. You know what? It was too late before the infertility thing happened, for fuck's sake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that pulled Jasper's finger. I am Frank, joined always by nope. my friend. <laughs> what? You're not Frank. Oh, shit. Parallel universe. God, fuck it up, I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And we're here today to talk about Children of Men. That's my pick. All right, here we go. Yeah, it's a cool movie. It is actually very good. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, well, I'm, glad, I- I'm glad we're over the hump of like <laughs> Dude, me picking horrible movies. I'm sick of getting humped by you. <laughs> getting that hump dump. All this dry humping that you've been doing on me. It's some sick and then it. you've been dumping afterwards. You've been dry hump dumping. Um, so I've seen this movie. I said I think I saw it like twice before. Mm-hmm. Um, before like watching it in this lens. I always appreciate like watching movies a little bit more now doing this podcast because I'm looking at it with like a more critical lens. Yeah. So I'm realizing like a lot of things that I didn't realize the first two times, like the first time I watched it, I was like, that was a really just good, powerful movie. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I was like, all right, now I'm more appreciating like all the camera work that was going into it and, and everything like that. And the third time around, I realized like a totally different thing that I never even noticed the first two times. And we'll get into that. Okay. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, so you do your thing and then I'll do my thing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Children of Men came out in 2006. Directed by Alfonso Curran. Yep. Curran? Curran. Curran. We have a few people that are... There's some people in this movie. There's some people, and there's some people that are back. So we got Clive Owen in here. He is Theo, the main character for this. He's like an activist slash like doesn't give a fuck anymore about being an activist. Yeah. Uh, You have his kind of love interest with his ex-wife, who is uh, Julianne Moore, who plays Julian. Uh, you have Michael Caine in this, yeah. who plays Jasper, and I love him with the long hair in it's, this. It, it's so weird, isn't it? Though it is because, like, <laughs> for the longest time, like my memories of him is Alfred Always. from from the Christopher Nolan movies. Right, right. Uh, you have once again the name that I cannot pronounce, who was in Inside Man along with Clive Owen, Chitwedel uh, Ijofor. <laughs> I think I did a little bit better this time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I feel like that was much worse. Well, once again, he <laughs> plays a very easy to pronounce name of Luke. Yeah. And he's kind of the main antagonist. Sort of, yeah. Somewhat. Uh, you have Claire Hope Achete, who plays Key, who is the key to all of this. Mm-hmm. That, that one's a little on the nose, but uh-huh. we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, and then you have Charlie Hunnam with his god-awful dreadlock long really, hair. Really, really just weird seeing like, him. But I, you I, almost kind of don't notice that it's him. Yeah, like well, there's never like a good close up of him where like you can kind of, like I feel like if you don't yeah. know who, if you maybe have seen Sons of Anarchy one time you would honestly <laughs> probably not even recognize him or Crimson Peak. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like he he plays Patrick in this, and yeah, like they don't do a close up of him at no, all. He's not really. And I mean, he's the whole gang is kind of just like the fishes. Yeah, the fishes the, are kind of fish just, eyes. The fish, the fish. Yeah, uh, they're just you know. They're there. They're there. They're not they're not the most important part of this movie. No. And that's fine because overall the movie has like a much better meaning towards it. Yeah. But yeah, you want to go over what the movie is about then, Frank? Yeah. So I've been trying to uh 
you probably don't know. Well, none of the listeners know this, but we started off doing this where it was just like, all right, we're going to take a whole bunch of notes and have everything written out and blah, 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 blah. And then I just went on oh for my like God, a I good like, notes. <laughs> I went on for like a good like two month period. I was just like, you know what? I feel like I'm better off just kind of uh, not really just kind of going off the top of the he- my head and just mm-hmm. kind of like going. So I just stopped taking notes altogether. So every day, Zach just looks at me and he's like, where are your notes, you dick? <laughs> uh, I'm doing all the work. <laughs> so I'm trying to get a little bit better with A, like my descriptions of movies and B, just like my conversational topics of what I want to say. So here we go. Um, Children of Men is the story of Theo in a future world nearing its end because women have lost their ability to have children. Basically, they're all infertile. Yeah, everybody's infertile in this film. Yep. So Theo then kind of returns to his roots as a political activist from a former kind of like uh, government bureaucrat Mm -hmm. after he sees that there is hope left in humanity from a character named Key who is pregnant. And yes. it's like the first child in two decades. It's a, it's the first woman to be pregnant in two decades. And that's why she's the key she's the to key. humanity's saving. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it, this movie is kind of like an action thriller. It's it's very dystopian. Yeah. Uh, it, it has like a lot of biblical elements to yeah. it, too. Yeah. But we can get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, originally, this was based off of a novel called The Children of Men by oh. P.D. James. Uh, this movie was oh, a... F- not P.D., not oh. P.D., like P... It's P.D. P. Diddy made P. that Diddy. book? <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie was actually a financial flop. Really? It, was, um, it took $76 million to make, and oh. they only made about $70 million back. So, they were shy about $6 mil. Okay. Um, so, not the best, but... But uh, this movie is truly amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up like in the talks of like a cult classic. Then uh, I would, I would say it's bigger than a cult classic. Um, I would say that it's bigger than like a cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty much all recognized by film lovers and goers and mm-hmm. critics and all that, and Hollywood in general of of it being a very very fantastic film. But I mean, still, seventy million is you that's know, pretty good. It's it's still good. It's just they're they're still in the negative. That's what we make uh, on the weekends. Yeah, doing car washes <laughs> in short shorts. Oh yeah, that's the only reason we're making that money. Uh, so yeah, it, it was kind of a financial flop, which is kind of unfortunate. But mm-hmm. I mean, all this guy's movies are all very uh, similar with how he films and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it 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 still feels very like true. Yeah, which is. I always appreciate when, you know, again, similar to like what, what we've been talking about with all of our directors where it's like, you kind of know that it's a whoever's film once it comes on, like mm-hmm. we said, like Yorgos Lanthimos with the dialogue, like this guy has a very, very specific way of shooting movies and filming them. Uh, and you can, they're all just kind of like laced together. Yeah. And you know what too, man, like I, I want to get into it a little bit, like for the first time, like watching a film, I did not mind the kind of like shaky camcorder style almost to how he shot this film. Yeah. Cause like, remember in melancholia where like, it was just where the fuck are you going? Like, are you trying to do like like a camcorder thing? Yeah. So like, this is kind of like shaky cam done right. Or, you know, handheld cam done right. Where Mm. it, it feels feels, like you're following. Yeah, exactly. Like you, I have like a, not a theory, but more of like, just like a point to make about something. And it's not, not to its 
uh, it's not a bad thing because mm-hmm. I, again, I really, really do like this movie. But I don't know if you were getting this vibe, but one thing that I noticed this time around was how much of like almost like a video game this movie felt, where the introduction of certain characters and how they uh, act and so specifically Sid. So Sid is very <laughs> much like a vi- like he has yes. the most video game introduction. Mm-hmm ever right <laughs> you're a fascist pig yeah, and like like his outfit and like yes. what he's wearing and the vehicle that he comes in on and all of that it feels so video game um michael kane's character feels like a character that would be like at like your safe house kind of like he's very yeah. much like the he's like sending the end you on the, the missions yeah, exactly and he's kind of sitting around he's like the end of the world prepper on all he's talking about is like government conspiracy theories and he's like the crazy <laughs> guy um but like the biggest moment to me that really felt like a video game was when uh, they all go to their like camp that they're all like kind of you know once like the the big thing happened well we'll get to it like mm-hmm. the action scene of uh, the cops getting killed and then they have to run away from the police yes. and they're and they're, and they're yes. in hideout. Um, there's like the really really it's it's a good scene but it really really felt like a video game where it was almost like a choose your own adventure where it was <laughs> like um, Key is pregnant and then they're all saying like what do you want to do like are you going to stay here or not and then she looks to Clive Owen and she goes. What do you think we? What, she's like, what do you think we should do? And everybody I at the table turns. I think we should go turns. grind for twenty hours <laughs> and <laughs> no, just so, level up. So everybody turns around mm. and looks at the camera. Yeah, and it's almost like a first person. You know, like you, like you're the character, mm-hmm. and everybody just stops and just and like turns and like looks at him, and then he goes, uh, I. I think we should leave. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, then we're, oh, no, no, he goes, I think we should stay. Yeah. And then she goes, okay, so I think we should, it was almost like you had to click X or A for like <laughs> what you wanted to the say. The timer's <laughs> running out. <laughs> Hurry, pick. It just felt like a video game. Yeah. But again, it, it, it's not like a bad thing. No. It's, it's not nearly like, a, it's really, really a great film and that's not, I don't know. It's just something that I noticed. Yeah. There was another point too, like later on, more towards like the end of the film where it's like somebody gets shot. And it almost kind of seems like the bullet misses Theo and it almost hits us. And yeah. like you get that very, very faint like blood splatter on the on camera. The camera. Yeah, and it feels like almost like a Call of Duty like action yeah. like cutscene sort of where you're, you're you are the camera. Yeah. And, and it, you're it, running around with with them. And it, it just feels like and then they're, like, specifically also with when they're at the camp still. And then he's um he's trying to break key out. Mm-hmm. And they're like they're like crouching behind the cars. And he's yes. trying to pull the car, the keys out of the cars, and and then like there's guys walking up to the windows and just having like their dialogue and mm-hmm. then walking away. And it just feels like it's a, a video mission. game. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah, I, I really want to talk about like how Alfonso does it for like the very wide open shots. Yeah, because there's a lot of them like throughout the film. There's a couple where it's like you get just when they're driving and it's like the open fields of like the oil tanks just kind of like laying in the grass and it's like destroyed everything and you get like the burnt up cows yeah and like he does this really great job of like setting the tone for like this whole like the world is just destroyed yeah and i think he does it in a great way where Again, you hate exposition. Yeah. But he really does it where it's like he's showing you everything and there's no dialogue really to explain like what's going on other mm-hmm. than like, you know, on, when they're watching the TV and it's like, oh, China, like Belfast, like America yeah. all fell. Only Britain is soldiering on. Yeah. And it's it's kind of cool because it's like Britain's become this kind of like safe haven for the world but they're not allowing anybody in. So like any like immigrants 
they're just rounding them up and like dropping them back off in like what seems like France Sorry, towards the yeah, end of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and then like just watching that throughout the film, and then even like when you're actually in London, like when we first started off. Mm-hmm. It's still not a great place to be. No. Like, even if you make it to there, yeah, it's, it's like, still uh, like shit. Kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. everything's rough. Yeah. Uh, the one. Yeah. The, there is. There is a few scenes of exposition that I noticed this time around, and I was like, okay. But I, I then noticed that it was actually done in a more clever way than most films do it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I don't love exposition. I don't love when the characters just regurgitate like hey this is what's going on and now and now you know um because it's just kind of like a lazy in my opinion like a lazy way of storytelling yeah but uh this this is done more cleverly with like specific uh, you know the scene where michael kane is telling him a joke yes I, I that was is say. an exposition scene but it's told in the form of a joke and clive owen is listening like waiting for the punchline yeah so that is a interesting, unique, clever way of if you need to have exposition, which films need exposition. It's just it, it is a necessity, but it's doing it in a way that is a little bit more engaging and just not nearly as lazy. Mm-hmm. So and then even so, like they talk about and they show it too for like a scene where it's like certain like religious groups at this point, like the repenters, yeah, where they believe that like infertility is God's punishment for the world, yeah, and. It's one of those things that, like, they talk about it once, like, when they're sitting down because they're like, is it the Repenters or the Revengers? Because I can't remember. So, yeah, like, yeah. there's a, there's probably, like, a good five or six of them. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he just doesn't care. He's getting them all confused. And they they sit down and then you see that one scene of them. And it's almost like that's just enough to kind of get, like, what they're about. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, you know, it's a little bit of exposition, but, like, they're showing you it too yeah, yeah. what do you we want to talk about next <laughs> uh yeah so uh the one thing that i noticed uh this time around mm-hmm. was how much the background is important in this film the background is a character yeah so i i, I didn't really notice that the first few times watching it um just because i'm I was really paying attention to the story and i didn't realize how important the background was in this movie, so first off, he does he does the really um, great thing of walking with the characters, the main characters, and then just letting them continue to walk, and then he just kind of abandons them, and then he's just kind of like focusing on the people in the cages and yeah. and the people in the lines getting beat, and uh, just the war and everything like going ar- on around them, and then all of a sudden you're just not with the characters anymore; they just are off doing their own thing. Uh, Did you catch too, like the people like jumping off the the building? Yeah, and you know, there's there's so much going on in the background, like and it's all like everything was done very very intentionally, mm-hmm. um, and the production design for this film must have been a oh. fucking. Nightmare. nightmare to do. <laughs> yeah. um, Such a pain in the so, ass. So you know, look, he's known for these. I mean, in this film, there's so many really, really long takes. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, it's insane. I mean, so the ambush scene alone. Oh okay? my god. The ambush we talk scene about the ambush alone. Scene? We're gonna get there, but Ooh. the ambush scene alone mm-hmm. took twelve days to film. Really? 
that alone for like 12, that 30 they, second that shot. Whole, well, it's more than 30 seconds because it's all one continuous shot of mm-hmm. them in the car driving and then hanging out, playing that game with like the the ping pong ball. And oh then, yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then the, the the flaming car comes down and all that. That whole thing is one continuous shot, mm-hmm. and it took twelve days to do. There's f- so I, I watched like the behind the scenes of like how they did that shot because it's actually very impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. And they built a ridiculous rig, and it's basically these people are sitting on. There's five. There's five cameramen <laughs> okay. sitting on top of the car while it's driving. Oh, and they're all like spinning the camera around, and then like once it gets to a certain point, and one guy can't reach it, the next guy has to take over, and it's all one continuous movement. It's absolutely insane. I forgot why I brought this up <laughs> because it's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, so the background and like just the production design, because you have to imagine with all of these long takes that he's doing, if somebody fucks up, mm. that's they, it. You're they, gonna they, fucking redo they, everything. Yeah, they, you have to redo everything. Maybe so that's if why you're it filming, took twelve days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. If you're filming a six-minute-long sequence or eight-minute-long sequence, and there's no cuts, and and, a, and an actor misses a line, or somebody misses a mark, or something doesn't go right with uh, like uh, maybe like an explosion doesn't go off when it's supposed to go off, or whatever it may be, and then you can't, there's no cutting. There is no cut. All right. Like, you know, let's, let's kind of go back a few steps and like take it from there. It's like, no, we have to restart the entire thing yeah. because it's not done where like 1917 was stitched together to look like one continuous shot. This was the, there are very, very all true one continue continuous shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that alone is a fucking feat, yes. you know? I mean, it's truly, truly amazing. And I mean, it, it's, it's a great fucking shot. Yeah, it's such a it's it's one of my favorite shots in the film. Yeah. Um. And then another thing that I noticed this time again, like it's again, like for me, it's mostly this podcast for me on this episode is like going to be a lot about just like background stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's anything like you want to talk about specifically, like scenes or whatever. Maybe we should talk about that, and then I'll go into my thing about all the backgrounds because. It's all like further into the film. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. There's a couple of things that I really want to touch on. Um, one being how fucking crazy the world is where it's like this whole film basically starts off because like baby Diego has died. Yeah. Who is the youngest person in the world at this point. And I forgot what happened. I think like he killed himself. No, um, somebody killed him because mm. he was he's like a celebrity. Yeah. And he didn't want to like sign someone's autograph. Oh, so yeah. So somebody yeah. shot him. Yeah. <laughs> but even so, he's like. 22 years old yeah and he's the youngest person in the world yes and that really like starts the whole film i want to bring up the fact that like at this point because the world knows like it's going to end Mm -hmm. when everybody on this planet reaches the age where like they just die yeah so the it's called like quittus Mm -hmm. the the suicide packs that the government is actually handing out for people to like kill themselves early it's fucking insane. Yeah. These are these are small little detailed things that bring the entire world together. Yeah. And I've said this before on the podcast where like you really make a great film when the environment and the background is its own character, like yeah. you said before. Yeah. And it, it just it works so fucking well yeah. to create this dystopian world. Mm-hmm. Even so, like I was looking at like some of like the billboards and everything like that, where it's like 
it's it's doing the same thing like the quittus where it's like oh like just end it on your terms yeah and like certain things like that and it's facial makeup to be like look younger than you actually are Mm -hmm. and it's so cool to like actually put into here yeah something else i really want to bring up is when theo decides to help out julian Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll make like the the big point after this. The big point. The big, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's just the the <laughs> sharpest stick I have. <laughs> but um, when when he decides to help Julian and he has to go get like some form of like papers from his cousin David in order to then like get key across uh, like. I forgot like exactly what they were trying to do, but he had to get like papers for her. So then that way she could get on the move to get towards what they're really building for. And that's to get onto this small boat, get into the water, go to this buoy. And then there's a boat called the tomorrow that will be taking them in for the human project where it's supposed to help people who want to live a better life and also try to find a way to become fertile again. Yeah. So, when Theo goes to see his cousin and he is inside the really nice car and he's just driving down the street and everybody's just like dirty and like trying to move away and everything like that. And then you get to this point where like he goes through a gate and then everything looks beautiful and normal. Yeah. And again, great shot where it shows like, you know, even in this dystopian era, there is still a hierarchy the wealthy. Yes. And they're living fine like nothing happens. Yeah. And then when he goes to see his cousin, then you get like the famous like art statue. I forgot what it's called. Statue of David by Michelangelo. Thank you. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> um, but like when you see that and like the one leg is kind of like torn up. Yeah. But like his whole thing is that he's collecting art to preserve it. And... It makes like a really good point because it's like if you just saw this one shot of the film like when they're at dinner Mm -hmm. and like the dogs are there and like the waiters are there and like the arts everywhere, you would think like there's nothing going on outside. Yeah. And then he says the really important line where Theo asks him like, so like, you know, you've been collecting all this art and like what like you look outside and what do you feel like? How do you get through it? And he simply replies like, I just don't think think about about it. it. Yeah. 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 And it, it it's a small little snippet of like who his character is where like he just does not care cuz he's living the good life. Yeah. The last point that I want to make before we get into what you want to talk about. Yeah. Taking up all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> You've been um, going on for 5 yeah, no. minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing that I want to talk about is in the beginning when the coffee shop goes up. Yeah. Somebody throws a grenade in there and it explodes mm-hmm. and he gets like the ringing in his ear. Yeah. Um, and then when he goes to see Julian, she tells him the line, you know that ringing in your ears? That's the ear cells dying. Once they're gone, you'll never hear that frequency again. It's like their swan song. Yeah. And if you really, I don't know if you did, but if you really pay attention to when certain characters are dying, the frequency comes back. Yeah. So he gets that ringing in his ears. He gets it again in that crazy like uh, hill scene when Julian gets shot. Yeah. He gets it again when Jasper is shot. Mm-hmm. And he gets it again when at the very end when he's trying to go save Key. And it's almost kind of like a metaphor because like 
each time that someone dies or like some type of hope is lost, you hear the ringing in his ear. So it's almost like he's losing another part of like hope right. for humanity. Yeah. And I thought that was like a really well done thing where it's like if you catch it, you catch it. And if you don't, it's just another like it. it's not an overall thing to the story. But if you catch it, it's just a little bit added on. Yeah, exactly. And it's really cool. Yeah. It's again, like you said, like all of these little things mm-hmm. that amount to the bigger picture of what is trying to be said here uh, and what the story really kind of is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those, you know, attention to details, like that's really what it comes down to. I mean, that's really when, you, you know, when a director has, has. well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when they care and they, and they have like a real, real vision and they have the world that they are trying to build. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, this is a mission movie. Yeah. This is get, point get to point a to point b bring it's like, bring um, key logan again yeah similar right like get get key from here to here and that's it mm-hmm. but you again like you realize that 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 76 million dollar budget that they had had to go into something and then when you really really see all the little things that that are kind of helping you paint this bigger picture uh i mean you can't help but just appreciate what fantastic filmmaking is Mm -hmm. and this is a prime example of what great great filmmaking is and what great storytelling is yeah i do wish that she named her baby bazooka though bazooka (laughs) because what was it frawley and then bazooka yeah yeah and then she was gonna go dylan yeah dylan is dylan a girl's name because at Uh, the end she was like dylan's also a girl's name i don't know i've never met a dylan before that's that's a girl yeah but if you're a dylan who's a girl Please, please respond to us and say if it is a girl's girl. name. <laughs> Love Dylan. I wasn't particularly impressed by Key's uh, performance in this film, though. So there are a few performances that aren't great. Yeah. Um, I I don't think Sid is really that great of a, like his character. I think his I like, acting is I a like little over the top, and maybe yeah. maybe that's kind of the point. But he he just I don't know. He he I like his character. I just hmm. don't think the actor does a great job of like portraying yeah Uh, even julian just kind of seemed like she didn't care she yeah yeah because it's a kind of like i know i'm dying halfway through this film yeah (laughs) i'm gonna phone it in here (laughs) um there's just a few that are just kind of like but my um but clive owen is giving it his fucking all clive owen michael kane they're giving it their all in this film yeah um so I kind of like doing research with this movie I, and, and, and uh, you know, after watching it and seeing like, okay, there's so many things going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Like I need to like look up everything. I need to like see what the hell's going on. I noted, I noticed that um, there's just a lot of cultural references in this film. So I have them all written down. Um, so keys pregnancy Mm-hmm. The, the the way that she reveals it when she's in at the, the farm and she's all like holding her breast and her stomach, whatever. It's very, very, very similar to the painting of the birth of Venus. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, actually. is like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, she's in the giant clam. She's in the clam. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so there's just a lot of references. There's there's so many references to art. Mm-hmm. Um so Michael Caine, there's a part where Michael Caine is like saying like Shanti, 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 like three times. So that is a reference to a poem by somebody named T.S. Eliot, which is called The Wasteland. Oh, wow. Which is then a poem about 
an infertile world. Right. So again, okay. like these, these little things, mm-hmm. these tiny little things that you actually don't really realize what's going on. And then you, then you look them up and you find out and then you're like, Oh, here we go. Again. <laughs> here's a, here's another piece of the puzzle. Right. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but so when he does, when, when Clive Owen does go to, uh, the mansion and mm-hmm. he's, and he's there, you mentioned like the thing of, uh, David and Mike, Mike, you know, he has Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he also says to him, he goes, he goes, um, I, he's like, we couldn't save La Petite. It was like, it was just, it was, or it was too gone, which is another, um, Michelangelo painting. Piece. Okay. And that is, it, it kind of like, it, it gets like brought back. So that, that was one thing that I noticed was because there's, I like Michelangelo. I like the whole like Renaissance era of, mm-hmm. and of all that. Um, so he, so I think he says like, yeah, we couldn't save La Pieta or whatever. And he's like, and then it's kind of like a little like throwaway line. Yeah. But then it, it does kind of come back because when shit starts hitting the fan, when they break into prison and then they get into the actual fucking uh, community that is going on there. And uh, there's, a, there, again, similar to like what I was mentioning, how he has, um, how the, you know, the camera kind of is with the characters and then it kind of pans to other people and other things going on. When I think Clive Owen is running with Key and they're trying to get the hell out of there. And the camera kind of just stops and you see a mother holding her dead son. I don't know if yes, you like, yeah. and she's like crying. Mm-hmm. That is very, very similar of the painting of La Pieta. Okay. And that is of Mary holding Jesus after his mm-hmm. death. Yes. And kind of like questioning mankind for like all of its like inhumane acts of atrocity. Uh, so that's another, you know, another thing. So another, uh, oh, also when he's at the mansion, there's so many things that actually happen in the mansion that I didn't, I didn't realize the and first time. And the mansion's time. only like a two minute it's, long it, scene. Exactly. Right. Um, he's sitting behind. So when, when, uh, Theo sits down, Clive mm-hmm. on, when he sits down at the table and they're having there, there's, there's a massive painting behind him and that's Pablo Picasso's Garnica, which is, do you know what Garnica is? So I have a, I have a funny thing about Garnica. <laughs> okay, and then we'll get back. So Garnica um, is a painting all about um, uh, a, a city in Spain that got um, bombed mm. by the Nazis and the and the, and the Italians. Uh, they just they just bombed the city, mm-hmm. and uh, Picasso is from Spain, and Picasso then painted, and it's kind of like known as one of the most powerful, significant pieces of anti-war art. Mm-hmm. ever paintings one of them ever there was a this it's basically like body parts or it's it's not you know picasso doesn't do like the whole like realism thing so it's very yeah. like cartoony looking mm-hmm. um but there's body parts all over the place there's like uh, there's another there's a woman holding her son similar to like the, uh, okay. what i was just talking about um and all that and i made the reference like years ago to my girlfriend i was like because she had uh when she was working in retail mm-hmm. she had like mannequins all over the place no. <laughs> and there was body parts all over the place and i was like it looks like garnica in here and she was just like quiet <laughs> she was like i don't know what that means <laughs> i was like ah you don't get it and you threw one of the arms at her <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean oh and then also in still in the mansion mm-hmm. when theo and his cousin are talking you probably noticed it because it's so massive is when they're standing by the window, there's that huge yes. pig. Yes, I did. <laughs> and that's a reference to Pink Floyd's album Animals. Yes. Which is... My favorite album. It's a good them. album. 
and that's based off of a book. Uh, it's it's the whole thing yeah. is like absolutely insane. Like how many references are in this film, mm-hmm. and how many how many uh kind of like little tips to the hat, like little, little homages of to art pieces and to biblical references and and all that. Um, and then of course you know I think possibly one of the most powerful scenes in cinema is in this film. And that is when they have the baby and they are walking down the stairs. I was fucking hoping you would say this. Yeah. I was hoping. It's very powerful. When they're, when they're walking down the stairs and the war is going on and it's absolute insanity. And then, Everybody, the baby brings on the ceasefire. Yes, for thirty seconds, yeah. whatever it is, every brief moment, stops. everyone just stops, and there's that little glimpse of hope. And I mean, the way that it's shot, his the 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 blocking of this of this scene is truly masterful. I mean, the, the where he has the camera and what he's allowing you to see, and and the placement of everybody, and and going down the stairs and. And, uh, you know, the kind of like the militia guys working their way up the stairs and, and then just about to shoot them. And mm-hmm. then they stop and they realize that the babies and they kind of like go there and the way that he the, the camera is panning and and the movement of the camera where it's all again, like this one continuous, one continuous long take where everybody's reaction isn't all at once Mm -hmm. you you see everybody's reaction kind of like in a wave so it's kind of like working its way from the right to the left and you have um uh you know like kind of like once they're right on like the the cusp of almost about to be like cut off from the screen and then somebody else comes they have like their reaction to the baby yeah and it gives you just like this tidal wave effect of of just hope kind of and it just goes all the way through and Mm -hmm. it's truly Amazing. And then what I love too, because that scene is like you said, like it, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's visual it's so, emotion. That's like yes. kind of like what it is. It's like, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just visually taking emotion and, 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 and making you feel it yes. in a way that many films don't get that type of, uh, you know, reaction. And then what I love too is as soon as like they cross out of the building, somebody fires again, and then it, war just breaks out again yeah. as if nothing ever happened. Yeah, And it really just kind of sits as like a metaphor where it's like, even with like something to stop people for a minute, war will rage on. Yeah, And I think that's like, it is an incredibly powerful scene. Yeah. It's a fantastic film. I it's really like borderline this masterpiece. Honestly, yes. like it, at it least like the story wise, more recognition than it did. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I highly us, us talking about it is just not doing it justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly, truly amazing. I mean, if you want to watch fantastic camera work and a very engaging mm-hmm. story. And it's very bleak, but it's also it's not it's not so bleak that it's like not you're depressed fun. afterwards. It's, it's very like I mean the ending is definitely sad, and yeah. you, and you don't really know if if uh, Theo Anything is alive, if, or, you know, like you really don't know if, if he's dead. I mean, it seems like he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the I never read the book, but apparently the book is very different 
from the movie. Well, it's not very different in the in the sense of I guess like the, the book just kind of doesn't focus so much on Theo and all of that. Like it, it's not really about that. Yeah. Um, I guess you know he kind of just took what he wanted from the book and then did what he wanted to do. Um, but you know. You don't really know if Clive Owen's alive at the end, or Theo's alive at the end of the. Uh, you don't even know if tomorrow is actually like what it's being told. Yeah, you don't. Is. You don't because they, they bring just it up. Hearsay. Exactly, it's all hearsay. So we don't know, you know, how this movie ends. But still, like Michael Caine is a good like break of pace where he he kind of like lightens the mood a little bit. Pull my finger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, his death is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. You know, like as an old man. And just kind of like fuck you. I'm not giving gonna give you any information and any information on anything. I don't know. He's he's just kind of like who you need in in your life. He's kind of like yeah. one of those guys where it's like I need somebody like Michael Caine's <laughs> character. I need, I need someone like that. I need a Jasper. <laughs> um, but yeah, very 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 good movie. Very powerful. Um, so that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Do you know what pick you, what pick you're doing for next week? Um. Oh no! Wait, well, no, I get I, to pick. Yeah, it's it's I your get to pick it's your pick, pick because I my next one is the directors. Right. Um, so I am doing a movie called Headhunters. I know um, what this is about. And I believe it's. I don't know if it's Swedish. It's a foreign film. You talked to me about. Yeah, that. I didn't, and I really want. I really, really want to do it. Um, it's all one word: Headhunters. Um, and it's basically about uh, a guy who steals art for a living. Um, like what I did. So there's a few movies called Headhunters. Uh, if so, try not try to get the right one. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have uh, to specifically tell me which one. Yeah, then. yeah I will. Um, but yeah, so it's about an art thief. Just know that, um, and that's it. So Zach, you have a recommendation? I do have a recommendation. So today I'm going to recommend a anime slash manga. Nope. I pre- yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna check out immediately nope. for this one. <laughs> Uh, so I, I prefer the manga for it. Um, Frank, how would you, as a human being, like to kill vampires using only breathing techniques and then later on gain a manifestation of your fighting spirit with a name of a band or singer? <laughs> okay. I am, of course, talking about Jojo no Kimino na Boken, otherwise known as Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, yeah. You told me about that. I have told you about you know this. You many times, actually. You always bring it up. Uh, there is a huge fandom for Jojo, mm-hmm. and I am very happy about that because I was shown this anime slash manga about, I want to say, like three, four years ago. And my brother showed me it because we got the video game and we were we were playing it and I was like, man, these these characters look fucking crazy. Like, I want to know more about what's going on. And like, he would tell me about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just really cool. But yeah, like there are eight parts out right now. Uh, part one and two mainly focuses on, like I said, like vampires and a little bit of three, but mainly using breathing techniques to kill vampires. Mm hmm. Uh, The rest of it is manifestations of your fighting spirit. And what I love about it is, like, you'll have different ones that, like, do different things. And it's less of, like, a fighting anime and more of, like, really strategic with how they fight. Like, they'll use what's called their stand, which is their manifestation, in a very unique way where it's, like, 
uh, just for shits and giggles, part five, uh, the main character is Giorno. And they're all named as JoJo's. DiGiorno? Giorno. It's not delivery. It's Giorno. <laughs> it's Giorno. <laughs> <laughs> and his stand is Gold Experience. Yes. After, I love Gold Experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's my, I love it. So they all are named after things. You'll get ones where it's like fucking... Fucking... Uh, yeah. <laughs> red Hot Chili Peppers. You'll get uh, In a Silent Way. You'll get... Um, the Well, The World is earlier on, but... Goddamn microphone. <laughs> uh, my favorite one is Killer Queen. Okay. That one's really cool. And they all do like different things. But Gold Experience has the ability where it can turn any inanimate thing into a living thing. So, like, he'll use it throughout the fights and kind of, like, somebody will shoot a bullet and he'll turn the bullet into a branch. And it catches, like, the one of the legs of a helicopter and stops it from moving so they can run up and like go and beat Uh, the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a really unique anime slash manga with a lot of cool things and a lot of like just love letters to bands and musicians. And I really like it. Ah, I know you wouldn't, but (laughs) JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. Go read it. Well, you know, I, you recommended Preacher. Yeah. Uh, whatever that was two weeks ago and i actually went out because i'm a good friend (laughs) and i bought it and i finished it in like three days because it was fucking great and uh yeah so i probably won't read jojo i'll be honest yeah that's fine but uh you really caught my attention with preacher so yeah that was great yeah (laughs) if if you didn't listen to zach's recommendation about preacher i would highly recommend (laughs) just listening to that portion of the podcast (laughs) because that's a good that that is very very I, i need part two yeah, I'll um, get you that. So, uh, all right, guys. Zach. That's it. Check it out. Thank you Check guys for out. listening. Now, Frank, I'll look at it.